You are listening to All Students Considered, a Steely podcast. Are you a student? This one's for you. Do you want to consider students? This one's also for you. All right, this is going to be the open, right? When you're editing this, this is the open. We are opening. Opening. Open. Uh, What's in this box? It's, oh my God, it's a syllabus. (laughs) Let's dust it off. I'm cowering in fear. It's 11 pages long. You know, it doesn't even seem formatted very well at all. There's no tables. There's no highlighting. I don't know what to do with this. Oh, my gosh. I think it even has the wrong year up at the top. Oh, my goodness. And office hours? Where are those? I don't see them on here. Claire, what are we talking about today? Well, today's episode, Jacob, we're talking about the green flags and the red flags of syllabi. What makes a good syllabus? How can we make syllabi more effective for the students who will be reading them? And what should we consider when we're writing up our first syllabus? So tune in if you want to make your syllabi better. Yeah, yeah. Um, can I do a fun little syllabus fact? Oh, please. According to the Online Etymology Dictionary, syllabus, uh, a table of contents of a series of lectures, etc., it comes from the late Latin word syllabus, meaning list. But it was <laughs> comes from the word no, syllabus. hold on. But it was a misreading of oh. the Greek "sitibos," okay. uh, which meant parchment label, table of contents. And we don't really know where that word comes from. Okay. But it's kind of cool that the word syllabus is actually some Latin. Is the word bastardization okay? Is a so the word syllabus is actually like this late Latin bastardization of the Greek. Fascinating. It's like how the modern syllabus is a bastardization of the table of contents that it should be. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Hi there. You're listening to the Steely Podcast. My name is Jacob Hall, and I'm a geology major here at William & Mary. I also work at Steely, working on media production, making podcasts, teaching lessons with the Story School. I also work over at the Global Research Institute doing geospatial analysis, and uh, I generally get up to a lot of trouble around campus, president (laughs) of the Barefoot Club and a general manager at the Meridian Coffee House. Wow. Hi, I am Katie. I am a senior. I am majoring in sociology with a concentration in social problems, policy, and justice. So I really love when we get to explore how things are structured, how we can improve things. I love looking into the social side of education. And I am also a theater major, so I love hearing myself talk. This podcast is a dream. I just get to listen to my own voice. It's incredible. I can attest, Katie does have a lovely voice. I'd love to hear it. Um, (laughs) I'm Jada Bonds. I also work at Steely. I'm a freshman here at William & Mary. I plan on majoring in chemistry. Wow. And... And Steely, I work with the Story School and help a lot with teacher resources with our website. Outside of Steely, you can normally find me at any club meeting. I do too much as well as everyone here. (laughs) (laughs) I am involved in Box Voices of Planned Parenthood, um, Novache, National Organization of Black Domestic Chemical Engineers. Long name, yeah, I know. (laughs) And I also do a lot with bullet journaling and knitting. 
Oh, a fellow bullet journaler. I did not know that. Oh my gosh. Uh, hi, I'm Claire Hogan. I am a senior here. I'm a CAMS major, which is just fancy math for those of y'all who don't know, and a religious studies minor because we go to a liberal arts college and I think it's mandatory. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I'm a student partner here at Steely. I like to work on a lot of videos and podcasts. I love editing, so sitting in front of a computer, that's my favorite thing to do. Um, and I'm involved in journalism on campus. Until recently, I was the editor of the student newspaper, The Flat Hat shout out and I'm going into journalism after I graduate. Nice. Really good. Jada, what is a syllabus? That is a good question. <laughs> a syllabus means lots of different things to different people. To a teacher, it can mean nothing. To a student, <laughs> it can mean whether or not you will graduate college. So, yeah. Yeah. It, I've often heard it being referred to as a contract, like a sort of set of expectations and it sort of sets the rules by which the students and the instructor will interact. I think we should go around and say if we read the syllabus. I'm a solid yes. Jacob, how about you? I'm a yes. I um, usually like will receive it at the first day and like read it once through and then hope to remember. Perfect. Yeah. Cross your fingers. Syllabus reading, so I'll, I'll usually try to skim over the introductory part and the general structure of the class, but I have a lot of professors who will give like the rubric for a paper in it. I have a lot of professors who put pretty much every single piece of information about the course in there. And so I, I tend to treat a syllabus more as a reference. I'll mm -hmm. be like, oh wait, what's the attendance policy for this class? And then I go mm -hmm. and I check as opposed to doing a whole in-depth read through. Just because I feel like a lot of times the real dynamic of a class is more something you get through experiencing it. The professor usually mm -hmm. emphasizes what's important to them. I've had a lot of times where I go back to the syllabus, I reread it. I'm like, this hasn't happened all year. <laughs> so I am very, I, I will skim it, but I'm a lot more, I don't know, maybe that's a bad habit, but I'm a lot more kind of letting the year guide and using the syllabus as something to refer back to. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I'm between Katie and Claire. I definitely read the syllabus. I don't memorize it at all because how could I? <laughs> um, but I definitely read it and I reference back to it, mostly just the part where it's just like the dates of like assignments and stuff. Right. That's really the only part I pay attention to mostly. Sure. What is like the best syllabus that you guys have seen? Two-pager. Mm. Two-pager, so short and snappy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be honest. I don't care if a syllabus is long, if the majority of it is like a description of every day. Mm, right. Like I've had a, I had one syllabus that was, this is gonna be a lot, but it was like 10 pages. But it was basically every single day, it was exactly what we needed to do. And so again, it wasn't something I had to read all at once. It right. was just something I could be like, all right. Cause also the way that he did the class that semester was it was when we were doing all Zoom. And so he turned it into a combined synchronous asynchronous class. So oh. we had our normal class meetings, but in order to kind of lighten up the homework and make it like less all at once, he would also have mini asynchronous lectures that would function as our homework period and it really mm. broke things up. And so for me, it was really helpful to see since we are doing stuff for that class basically five days a week. It was nice yeah. to have that all listed out. That is nice. So totally. very clear expectations for yeah. like literally every class period. Yeah, like if it's 10 pages and half of it is like, here's like why I love teaching this. Here. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. I, I understand the, 
like urge to put that in there, but I would rather get that from you as a person. Right. Like this, or yeah, I feel it should like be like a reference document. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. I, I both agree and disagree in different ways. I think that <laughs> I love to see that personal touch, that like introduction, the backstory to the professor, and honestly, I don't mind if it's long. I just need that to be very clearly separated mm. from the rest of the syllabus, yeah. Yeah. right? Like it could be a couple pages, but as long as I can, you know, read it, then recycle that piece and have the reference in my folder for the rest of the semester, oh, yeah. that works for me. Yeah, I don't do hard copies. I always look at the, uh, sure. I have a, yeah. So I yeah. feel like if a professor wanted to do that, and I totally think that that can be nice for other students, yeah. maybe put that as a separate document so that when I'm trying to go through and see what I need to do for Wednesday, I don't have to scroll past everything. Totally yeah. agree with that. I've yeah. had teachers that will post like basically a syllabus, but in two separate documents. Mm. One will be like a calendar of like the dates mm. and what we're doing that class, and then the other will be like information of like them as a person and like mm. grading. Oh, I like that. I kind of like great. that as well. Yeah, because I I always like to think like what is a student using the syllabus for? Mm -hmm. So like for me, I am going to see when things are due. Yeah, that's like the number one reason that I go to the syllabus, and then maybe it's like attendance policy, things like that. Mm -hmm. But to Jacob's point, like very clearly delineating where those sections are. So just visually, if it's like highlighted, oh, I love that. When there's different colors, yeah. oh, wonderful. <laughs> oh, yeah. And my favorite thing is when there's a table of like a big assignment, when it's due, and then the percentage of the grade. Mm -hmm. That is the greatest thing because then I can just say, oh, there's an essay coming up, got to do that. And obviously yeah. that's going to vary for the type of class. Like for more STEM classes, that's probably going to be maybe a little more difficult, but it's, it's really nice to have like clear sections so I just know immediately where to go in that very long sometimes document. Mm -hmm. I have feelings that I often share on this podcast about how in a class or really in any part of life, things that could be an email should always be an email, <laughs> right? And I have to look at my email every day. And if someone were to send me a nice formatted list of all the things that I needed to do in your class, by email, that would be awesome. And I think that a syllabus is sometimes getting around that in a way where it's like, oh, I'm gonna send you the calendar of every assignment that's ever going to be due in this class. Um, here you go. And then communication stops for the rest of the semester. <laughs> like you, you show up to class and there's like a dry lecture and then you go home and you're like, oh yeah, I guess there's this assignment due at the end of the week. Mm. Um, man, it would have been really nice if someone were to like email me about that or like, uh, maybe mention it in class or something like that. So that's that's my salty take. On what I will that. say is, I do appreciate an email for like quick reminders and stuff. Uh huh. But I don't know. I feel like I'm always doing email archaeology, <laughs> and I it's it, I mean, which is great. But I, I just I'm very bad at writing things down, and so a lot of times my email can double as like important reminders, mm -hmm. which is also why the transition to Outlook has been frustrating because since yes. it's so narrow, you can't see a lot of stuff at once. So honestly, email has gotten really like stressful for me lately. Um, so back when we used Gmail, this is this like a plug? I'm Google certified educate, educator, <laughs> by the way. Um, but. When we had Gmail and I could kind of see everything, I've always been very religious about keeping my inbox small. Yep. And so I always, I keep it with like kind of stuff that I need to keep in the front of my mind. Everything else is archived or deleted. Um, and so when it's like kind of a million emails with like all different reminders, that 
gets like really stressful for me because suddenly I have like a whole couple pages of emails and I can't get rid of any of them but it's just yeah so I think it either like one big email that I can like know where it is or like using blackboard announcements so even if I delete the email I got from blackboard I can go yeah. and click on it yeah okay like any updates I always like when it's on the blackboard page mm. because that way if I I love when everything's on the blackboard page personally yeah, the sort of centralized right because yeah. I can be like all right I'll go there I can check the syllabus then I can double check the rubric or whatever announcement there is about the assignment and then I can just turn in the assignment on Blackboard, and then after that, I can go do the readings on Blackboard. I think yeah. that's really helpful. And then for all my classes, if they're all on Blackboard, I can just kind of go on that site, get everything done, and get out. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think what we're kind of getting into is like the scope of the syllabus, right? Mm -hmm. So some professors, they have the syllabus, that's all you have, and you basically never hear from them outside of <laughs> class. They just say, go check the syllabus. Um, and then there's some professors who send a lot of emails. <laughs> Every week yeah. they will send many, many emails. I've had professors like that. It is sometimes frustrating. I think that there's a happy balance to strike there that mm -hmm. you were kind of getting at, Jacob, of like maybe you send update emails about like what you should be thinking about, what you should be working on. I've had a professor recently who has, um, every week we have these readings that are listed in the syllabus, but she will send us like questions to think about while we're doing the readings, mm -hmm. additional articles that are pertinent if you want to read them. So it's it's kind of a light check-in, but it's not like, hey, <laughs> remember those readings you want to do? <laughs> Gonna remind you three times, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing that I really like about that sort of style of communication is that if a professor emails me about an uh, upcoming assignment, I've had professors say, like, and email me back if you have any questions, or, like, I'm mm -hmm. happy to, to continue this conversation. Nice. I really like that, because then there's a natural way for me to email back, and yep. it's all in the same conversation, et cetera, et cetera. Well, yeah, loop, looping it back to the syllabus, I know we've kind of brainstormed some some red flags and some green flags for syllabi. Uh -huh. Does anybody want to talk about any red flags? You see that on the syllabus, you're like, ooh, I don't like that. I feel like the point, like if we're getting right down to it, the syllabus is so you know what you're doing in the semester. Yeah. yeah. So it's not for me to, every time I open it up to check an assignment, be like, oh my god, I'm so overwhelmed by this. Yeah. You know, even if it's not like this super welcoming thing, and I feel like if, you know, I opened a syllabus and it was just the professor waxing poetic about how excited they are that I'm taking this class or whatever, I'd be like, okay, I need to see the readings. But I feel like the goal should be to just make it clear and honestly break it down so that I can be like, all right, I know the steps. Like, mm -hmm. not this monolith of things, not this huge, like, laundry list, but, you know... I like when they break the class into chunks and they're like, this is going to be our first kind of theme right. and we're going to transition into this. So I nice. always really yeah, like that. Yeah. Are there other ways that the syllabus could be communicated or formatted that would work better for us? For example, if a professor had a calendar that you could add to your calendar Ooh. of all the class times, due <gasps> like dates, stuff like calendar? that. Yeah, or something along those lines. I love that. They're That's called ICS cool. files. <laughs> um, is that something that you would like, or are there other ways that those types of things could be innovated upon beyond just a PDF syllabus with a little table on it? I think that's difficult because at this point, I've gotten so used to like the list. Like, uh -huh. I feel like it, it's one of those things, I'm sure there's a better way to do it, but I've been doing this for so long and it wired my brain in such a way that I feel like if a professor was like, I'm doing the syllabus differently, I'd be like, okay, <laughs> excuse me, who are you? Yeah. yeah, I definitely think that in terms of 
how you put it out into the world, a list might be the best way to go since you're dealing with a whole crop of kids who might not like the same thing in yeah. the same way. Like a Google Calendar, it sounds really nice, but do I want to open my calendar and see a long list of assignments every single day? <laughs> right. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I don't really want that stressing me out. Right. I just yeah. want to click on the assignment, look at what I have on that day, and then leave it in the past. Yeah, yeah. man, I've definitely had moments where like something will get added to my Google Calendar, and I'm like already stressed out, I'm already busy, and I already know it's coming up, and it's like, by the way, you have a job interview in 20 minutes, and I'm like, I know, I know, Google, <laughs> yes. I've been thinking about it all day. Yeah. Google is yeah. the worst aggressor. Oh my god, <laughs> terrible. What I really love is like, like for example, in my colon 50 actually, the syllabus was 11 pages. Ooh. I was so ready to drop that class the minute <laughs> I saw the syllabus, but it's fine though, it's cool, it's super cool. And I walked into the class like so intimidated. And then this woman said, all those assignments, you only have to do half of them. I was like, oh my God, this woman is an angel. I think there can be, because like she really did have all the assignments listed out on the dates, but then she was like, some of these dates, you can skip them. Like only eight out of these assignments, I will count as a grade, which mm. I thought was so amazing because mm. I was like, okay, this date, I'm really busy, so I'll probably skip that one, but I can do it this date. So I think that that was so I like awesome. that a lot. Yeah, yeah I, I have an example. I have a class this semester where uh, it's a history class, first history class I've taken, very exciting. Ooh. And we take field trips, different locations, which has been really fun. Yeah, it's really lovely. And it's it's a long class. It's like five hours on a Friday. Oh, but, my goodness. but we take field trips and it's great. I love it. Um, and they said up front, hey, uh, depending on, you know, when it's raining, when the tour guides are available, we're going to have to switch things around. So just, like, know in advance that sometimes maybe don't start doing the readings till later in the week because maybe we'll have to switch it up midweek. And that's happened several times. But yeah. because they give us that heads up, it was totally fine because I was like, oh, they already told us that it's going to be, like, maybe a little chaotic sometimes. And it all ends up fine. And it's great because they were open with the communication. So if we were to interview somebody, interview a professor about a really good syllabus or their philosophy of syllabus, who would we talk to? <laughs> uh, yeah. Come, on, come over to this mic, yeah. Grace. Who do we Grace have is, here? Who do we have who here? What? Hello? Is this another voice, another <laughs> person that has been watching this whole process unfold from uh, the shadows? <laughs> yes. Anyways, um, I took a class with uh, Professor Putsi and she was incredible at not only having a very clear and concise syllabi, but I guess syllabus, um, but every week at the beginning of the week, so on Sunday night, she would send out an email detailing what we had going on the week, what we needed to read, and when we needed to read it by, which was super helpful because if things had to be pushed back, she would say in the email on Sunday night, hey guys, if you weren't here Thursday, we're pushing back this reading, so instead, this is what you're doing for Tuesday, and this is what you're doing for Thursday. And that was really nice to have in addition to the syllabus. I'm Jenny Putsey. I'm a professor of English and Gender, Sexuality, and Women's Studies, and I'm also the director of the GSWS program this year. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that she says that because the idea about the Sunday email came out probably from suggestions that Mike sent out. Um, during, you know, our year online, um, year or more online, um, and, and partly from having an autistic daughter um, who's now 16 and really learning. She wasn't diagnosed until she was 13, and so we've really been learning how to present materials to her, um, and we're doing virtual school with her, um, 
it literally feels like with her at times. <laughs> like I'm learning about world geography. Um, but uh, working with her and teaching online has really taught me about presenting materials to students in different kinds of ways, multiple times. So reiterating things over and over and over again and, and sort of realizing that the syllabus is just the beginning of that. Mm. Really that the syllabus is like the first opportunity to present, present the schedule to them and present um, the materials to them. But then Blackboard is another way of doing that. And I didn't use that as actively mm. prior to the pandemic. Um, and then the Sunday email um, was another reminder because I knew that during COVID, you know, they had a lot going on and they were concerned about lots of things. And so the Sunday email was just a way to sort of remind them about what was up, up and coming. Um, and then when I asked my class last semester, do they want me to keep doing that? Because that was something that really worked. They all said yes. And I really value it because it's another way to touch base with them. It's I try to like, rather than just cutting and pasting from Blackboard or from the syllabus, I try to reframe it a different way, but keeping the message about what they need to do consistent. I mean, definitely when I asked them, you know, when I think in the beginning of the semester, I said like, these are the things that worked when we were virtual. And these are the things that I think I want to keep. And how do you feel about that? You know, and they said, that sounds great. And then I always do a midterm evaluation. Um, and then, uh, and I just ask, I just did this Monday with this new class, you know, what do you like about this class? What do you dislike? Um, what would you change if you could change one thing? And they pretty consistently say that they like the weekly email. I mean, I think, you know, it takes some work to make sure that there's consistency across the message, right? So I don't send like mixed messages about what they need to do. Mm -hmm. um, I've accidentally done that, a little bit of that at times. So, um, you know, I think it's interesting, like the syllabus has, has even though this podcast is about the syllabus, it's become sort of less important in a way, you know, in that that's really just the first step in trying to tell them what's going on with the class. I'm Mike Bloom. I'm uh, with the Studio for Teaching and Learning Innovation. I'm the program manager for faculty engagement. Well, for me, the, the real importance of the syllabus is um, a point of reflection. I think both for the faculty member, uh, the instructor, and for the students. And I think Jenny's uh, emails that she sends out on Sundays is what I call uh, kind of the practice part. And you know, it, it reflects, it, it makes people reflect back to that original text, but in a way that tells them this is what's this is what's important right now about that syllabus. So I think it's. Without the practice that I think Jenny really does really well with mm. that uh, weekly email, mm. um, the syllabus is is just a document. I mean, every syllabus that I've seen, I've seen a lot of syllabi from a lot of different faculty members, and you know they have some general beginnings, middles, and ends. They tell a story, um, but you know, outside of that framework, I think the detail is really where it uh, s starts to get different. You know, they all say what the goals are in some way. Some of them um, are more kind of education-based goals. Some of them are more kind of philosophical goals. Um, they all talk about the basics for doing well in the class. They all give a general rubric about, you know, what students are going to have to accomplish, what, what tasks they're going to have to accomplish. Um, but, you know, after that, a lot of faculty members, a lot of instructors, I think, want to put everything in the syllabus. And that's not necessarily the key if you're going to do something like Jenny does, where you actually keep in contact with the students. Because 
I think that the problem is I sense that in longer syllabi it gives the the instructor not the opportunity to check out, but the the opportunity to say here it's in the syllabus, go find it. Where you know that's that's not a way to stay engaged from from my perspective. Have you ever been sitting around on a Wednesday from 12 to 1.30 and perhaps been bored? Do you perhaps wish you could have something more fulfilling added to your schedule? Well, look no further, we've got a course for you. Yes, this course is gonna be exactly on how you need to make your syllabus more appeasing, more appealing to the eye, and actually a hook that will bring students in. You wanna fill those seats? We've got the thing for you. But on a, on, a, on a more serious note, um, today, <laughs> uh, my name is Grace. I am an educational media technician here with Steely, and I had a wonderful conversation today with Diana and Amanda surrounding uh, syllabi and how we can make them more marketable to students, how we can make them more accessible, and the things that are most important when we are looking at the physical document in front of us. Uh, so kind of going back to what we were talking about with the students, a lot of them voiced that when it comes to syllabi, the most important thing for a student is that it is efficient, uh, that we don't have a ton of excess information in there, um, that we're kind of getting right down to the details, uh, and that we're not like going over the top to be scary. Um, some students expressed how, you know, when they have a little note about this class is impossible, you're going to fail, it, it really kind of turns them away from wanting to take the course. Um, so I guess on the other side of this, when you all are consulting faculty, uh, what is the approach that you encourage them to take with their syllabi? Okay, so one of the uh, points that we were discussing earlier um, is just to encourage faculty to be uh, reflective about how they intend or anticipate students will use the syllabus as a tool. So rather than um, thinking of it as this like document that just grows longer and longer every time you reteach the course and copy and paste a new paragraph in, um, to really you know take a look at it and see what is relevant, what is useful, um, what do I know my students want to see in here, um, and then to consider if there are other related pieces of information that they want to share with their students that they consider a supplemental document, a secondary document, the other ways that they have to communicate with students. Yeah. Yeah, and I would just add, um, you know, making sure that it's engaging and inviting and kind of going back to those scary statements, you know, I, I try to always tell faculty, once they've really thought about the, that roadmap and letting students know what to expect in the course and outlining the schedule of the course, um, you know, what elements in that, you know, the student said two pages is kind of the prime um, syllabus. So um, in those two pages, how are you inviting them to engage in your course and thinking about learning in your course? Um, and how is it accessible to everyone? And so just keeping like a neutral or positive tone throughout. Um, even when you're talking about your policies or your office hours or deadlines, um, it's okay to have uh, firm policies and deadlines, but you know, if you can do it in a way that says, I'm willing to be flexible on certain things, like the office hours, that was one thing the students talked about was, um, you know, these are the only office hours and the only times I can meet with students is kind of what it's communicating when you say office hours are 11 to 12 on Fridays. 
And that's hard for a lot of students who are maybe working a job and going to school full time and that's not the time. That communicates to the student that that's the only time you're willing to meet with them. So maybe adding in with those office hours like or by request at other times or mm -hmm. something like that that just communicates I have these expectations, here's what you can expect from the class. However, if you need other additional help or resources, like I'm here for that, um, I think that's important to add in there as well. I think one thing that really stood out to me in listening to the students is just how, how much significance they place on the syllabus. Because I think that's something that um, instructors might tend to think of as like, oh, this is a, a document that I'm expected to produce or to distribute but they're not necessarily always reflecting and examining it in that really like thoughtful way of, oh wow, this is a big deal for students when they get it. And, and yeah. so then there's that tendency to just have, oh, I'll put my office hours on there. I checked that Check box, the box. Yeah. without, yeah. I know one student mentioned the example of being really appreciative of like if deadlines were flexible or subject to move, having that stated up front so that they can kind of plan mm -hmm their other obligations and yeah. their life around that rather than being surprised like, oh, you if you always had the intention to make this flexible, why didn't you state that up front? Yeah, I did uh, work with a professor last year and she had one page that really outlined like, this is the course, here are the topics we're going to cover and um, the major assignments. The second page or, um, you know, extra document was a full schedule of each unit each week what they would be doing and the, a lot of the students um, from the interview that was something they talked about was it is so nice to have that agenda that you know each week going into the course like what readings we're going to do what assignments are going to be that week and being able to look at that for an entire semester and and especially when you've got multiple courses at one time and a busy schedule you can you know okay well I know that you know, in three weeks I have this test on this day and I'm going to do these readings and we have to do this project and they can start to, you know, be more efficient with their time and map out on their schedules when they can work on each course that they're in. So I think that's something that um, is great to have in your syllabus. So if you have maybe a one page quick, here's what's happening in the course, but then you have a detailed schedule of laying out exactly what's happening week by week. Um, I think that that would be really help, a helpful way to do it. You know, sometimes we talk about how it's important for there to be flexibility. Uh, the students really appreciate that. They appreciate knowing when things are going to change and if. Um, one semester I had a professor who kept their syllabus in a Google Doc and we all had the link. And so it became like this living document. And as um, changes were made to the course, as we got behind, as we got ahead, as the professor felt maybe this reading isn't important, we just had to go back to that link and we could see in real time updated, okay, this was removed, this has been moved, um, you know, to the next class. You don't have to worry about it then. Um, and I wonder if maybe trying to find a way that we could even make the format of a syllabus more flexible for professors, because I think sometimes that can be difficult when, you know, we're getting behind in a class. How do we, I don't want to reprint all these syllabi. I don't, you know, I can tell the class, okay, mark this here, move this to this. Um, but, you know, I think sometimes even finding ways that we can make it easier on the professor's end to have it update in real time, um, that might be something interesting to like, discuss. I love that. I love the idea of it just being one living document that's 
easy to change and everyone has the link to it. I think that's a great I think that's a great way to do it. But I need this that. to track the changes. Track changes. Like I need to use like strike through or sure. comment or something, yeah. suggesting mode, whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I wrote it on my planner right. that the assignment was due on the fourteenth. So if we're gonna change that, right. Don't do gaslight me. Don't gaslight me. Do you write in pen in your planner? <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh no. I write yeah. in pencil. Okay. I'm flexible like that. Okay. okay. Maybe start <laughs> writing in pencil. You can erase it. I've never associated the syllabus with gaslighting. <laughs> well, if you're going to change the date, then I'm going to yeah. be wondering, wait, mm -hmm. I could have sworn we had a test on the 14th. And now I'm looking and it says it's on the 21st. Yeah. Am I crazy? So you'd have to, as a professor, you'd have to highlight that. You'd have to say, mm -hmm. not only yeah. would you have to change it, but you'd have to email like you were talking yeah. about. Mm -hmm. Email, hey, I've made these changes. Take a look. Yeah. So that, yeah. 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 One thing uh, I did when I was back in my day of being in the classroom, um, so I had a syllabus, but I didn't have uh, specific dates on it. I just had kind of like an overview and the different units and what we would read and about the time frame or what unit it would fall in. Um, and then I gave out, I know this is a lot, um, but I would give out weekly agendas. And so the weekly agendas that I posted would always could change, right? So if the weekly agenda I sent out by Friday, we did not get to everything from that week. When I went to do the agenda for the next week, I hadn't given that to them yet or posted it anywhere yet. So I could easily take what we had on the agenda the previous week on a Friday. And now what was on Friday that we didn't get to is going to become my Monday the following week. And then I posted that okay. agenda. So that was an, that's another way if you don't want to have to have one syllabus where you're changing the dates like that. Um, you could just have an overview of the types of things you'll do and, 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 and in sequential order and then, you know, just give weekly updates on, on the actual agenda. Hmm. If, if you're in the type of class, because again, that matters too, right? Um, some classes you're going to have more flexibility than in others and depending on the pacing and if it's online and if it's in person or if it's hybrid, um, there's a lot that affects your ability to be that flexible. So it's definitely not for everyone. I think it's all part of that sort of first impression and like we were talking about the syllabus being almost a marketing tool uh, for the course and particularly, you know, some of the students shared that looking at the syllabus made them either consider or actually drop courses at, at some points based on their impression and I'm sure in combination with the experience of that you know first class session like does this align with the professor so I mean I think thinking of it as another layer of the course culture and uh, like the climate that you're going to be trying to develop as an instructor like that is part of the tool and if if what you're going for in your course is free-flowing chaos, then your syllabus might reflect that, but know that that creates some anxiety for a lot of our students. Mm -hmm. And so if your goal is to be really clear about, you know, by the end of this course, you will learn these things, you will be able to do these things, you will know this and have this skill set, and here are some important ways that you're going to demonstrate to me that you've met those objectives, that should be really evident in the first you know, one or two pages of the document. And really it doesn't need to be a lot longer than that. And back to your point about red flags with someone asking questions about how can I improve my syllabus, if it is 10 or 11 pages, why? <laughs> like, let's, you know, if I can't kind of at a glance get a feel for what is this course and 
what is it going to be like to be to spend this time together this semester let's work on that let's make that more prominent and, and obvious for students yeah I, I was gonna say you know I don't think we really touched on this but making sure that there's space on the syllabus to say who you are as a person uh, where you're coming from, do you have a dog, do you have kids, did you grow up here, um, you know, just a little personal story, something like that on the syllabus. I think it's important to put that. I, I think sometimes, um, you know, when I've looked and worked, looked at some of the different um, course syllabi out there and worked with professors, I'll see, um, you know, the standard where they got their degrees from and how long they've been teaching, um, which is somewhat important but I think you know the the personal story and who you are that's relatable um, that makes me want to work with you or not as well um, so I think that's something that they should think of including as well on the syllabus like let them get to know you a little bit before they have to um, make this decision on do they want to spend an entire semester with mm -hmm. you yeah yeah I would agree with that because you know even though it's sure it's important to maybe know where your professor graduated or what books they've written and all these other you know achievements um, from the students perspective like I don't really relate to that I've I've not written tons of books on this subject um, I want to know who you are as a person and I think that personal connection you know makes it makes it seem more like I can envision myself in your class this semester because I know a bit about you as a person, mm -hmm. um, not what you've done. So I guess um, just let's go over some big takeaways from today. Um, we've kind of discussed how um, the syllabus needs to be a marketing tool. You know, it's not necessarily selling something that your class isn't, but it's being authentic to what the course is. It's letting students know what they can expect when they are in your class for the semester. This includes if, you know, dates are going to be flexible, um, you know, if you as a professor are going to be accessible outside of class times, making that known. Uh, we also discussed that it's important to have a bit of a personal uh, piece to the syllabus, kind of let your students know who you are as a professor, connect with them in a way that maybe isn't so, you know, as cold as just like a strict outline could be, um, because that can kind of be a bit of a turn away for students. Um, we also spoke about how, you know, if you are someone who's design sh uh, savvy, if you are someone who is design savvy, let that show on your syllabus, you know, make it aesthetically pleasing to look at. Um, but if that's maybe not your forte, just focusing on a clean syllabus that um, has been updated, that is a reflection, that doesn't have copy and pasted paragraphs from previous years on it, um, that makes it very personal to the students that you are having this semester and what they will be learning. It's time for the takeaways, and uh, today we've got Claire Hogan. What the takeaways? <laughs> Thank you, You're Jacob. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so if you're a professor looking to make a better syllabus, here are some of our takeaways. Ideally, keep it short and snappy. A long syllabus can intimidate some students and bury information. Recognize what should be posted as a secondary resource versus be in the syllabus itself. Mm. Clearly delineate important information. Try highlighting important dates or putting assignments in an easily accessible table. Consider your audience and what they're using the syllabus for. If it's a freshman class, maybe include more basic writing resources. If it's an interdisciplinary course, know that students might have different expectations for the class, and the syllabus should put them all on the same page. Keep open communication. The syllabus is a roadmap, but it shouldn't be the end-all be-all. Consider emailing students with discussion questions, extra resources, or to make sure they know assignment expectations. 
And please, please, please upload the syllabus as a PDF so students can open it in their web browsers. We don't want to have to download a Microsoft Word file 20 times. Amen. Woo! <laughs> can you imagine if it never got like mis misread from the Greek and you're like, oh my gosh, it's Sitibos day. Like, I don't know why. That was a really good one, Katie. That yeah, was a knee slapper. I, I don't know. I just, I always like thinking of like, alter, like there, according to like the multiverse theory or whatever it is, oh, yeah. Yeah. there is a place where it's like, guys, it's Sitibos week. week. So, this is, see, my dad will find this funny because it's Greek. Yeah. Hi, dad. Greek humor. <laughs> <laughs> it comes from the Greek. Is it okay? Katie, what did I say about voices? <laughs> this is my Gaia's accent. It comes from the Greek. Sitibos. Sitibos. Syllabus. There you go. Where's my cattle that's, prod? I need to electrocute Katie. It's my big fat Greek wedding, and I'm Greek. I, I can do it. I do love that movie. It's such a good I still have movie. never seen it. Thanks for tuning in to All Students Considered. Catch us in two weeks for our next episode. It's going to be available on SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great one. SoundCloud. SoundCloud. It's going to be available on SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Have a great one.